Hello and welcome to the World Tennis Show. Welcome. Jumped the gun a bit there, didn't you? Sorry. My name's Adam Bayfield. And I'm Patrick Ogier. Speak when you've spoken to. Okay, sorry. And over there <laughs> is Patrick Ogier. Now you're allowed to speak. Oh, hi, Adam. Hello. I'm just afraid afraid to speak now because you shouted at me. Well, that, that's going to make a good podcast, isn't it? <laughs> okay. We're back, Patrick. The World Tennis Show is back. Back after another long hiatus. Two out of three of us are back. Yeah, I was going to say, we are, we're missing something, aren't we? There does seem to be something missing. I can't think what it is. The elephant in the room. Or not in the room, or, in this case. Well. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Tony Kerr can't join us today in this midweek, well, not midweek, mid-Australian Open podcast. The third wheel of our podcast crew. Very much the third wheel. Not here. We haven't told him we're doing this, so please nobody tell him. Particularly because I just called him an elephant. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully he won't listen to this. He's like stabilisers on a bike when you're learning. We've got the two main wheels and Kerr's the, like, help. (laughs) (laughs) He sets up the microphones, but now we're older and more experienced. We can just ride off. Well, I've learned how to make a cup of tea now as well so so we decided we didn't need him maybe only for errands mm. um so yeah as you mentioned uh, we are here to talk about the australian open as we're recording this it's sunday night in the uk so we are at the halfway stage of this competition it is you know we we just sort of come back when we want really don't we <laughs> we do good... what we want when we want sue me didn't do a single sue book. us <laughs> i should say <laughs> please don't sue us because i don't have any money for one <laughs> We're certainly not making any money out of this. Who has the time to sue us for not doing enough shows? Apparently no one has the time to listen, so no. to take us to court. There's like a super fan out there. Who's so upset that we didn't record a single podcast in 2017. But we are back now. God, do you remember what was happening the last time we recorded? It was Sampras Lendl, I think. I think, yeah, I think it was Sampras Lendl in the final of, uh, of the US Open. Those were the days, Classic weren't they? Gag. Uh, but what's happening... This time, as I say, we're at the the halfway stage of this uh, Australian Open tennis tournament. Patrick, what have been the the big headlines really from from the first week for you? It's been good. It it looked ropey for a while pre tournament as well because we have Murray out with just had hip surgery. Serena Williams not playing. Uh, Novak with his dodgy elbows actually changed his serve, which is kind of interesting to see. Although he's serving very well for a Um, while it seemed like he might not play yeah and rafa likewise rafa pulled out of brisbane um and his knee i think still is a bit of a question mark there but he's only dropped one set so far i just dropped um one set to diego schwartzman it was looking tricky and also early on there was this strange or slightly surprising story about prize money and Djokovic and a few of the other other players talking about prize money that there needs to be increases in prize money i think it was slightly blown out of proportion there were sort of claims that they were thinking of boycotting if it doesn't improve and that sort of thing i don't think that's the case i also find it a bit strange because i think i don't know too much about it but certainly um Djokovic and federer and the like don't go to sleep hungry but i would say that someone we're going to talk about in a minute tennis sangren or something like that he um tennis sangren is it's just an unbelievable name yeah he was never going to be a bowler, was he? Um, it's like being called Football Beckham or something. Yeah, golf, woods. Tennis yeah. is just Dennis, I think, isn't it? It sounds like Dennis. Right. Yeah, do you think it was 
uh, maybe a typo. They, they called him Dennis, but yeah, typo at the uh, <laughs> birth certificate office. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So well, someone like that guy, tennis, good old tennis. He um, just broke into the top hundred end of last year. Tennis is a sport where lower down the rankings. We've talked a bit about this, but there's not very much money even beyond the sort of top hundred. There's a hell of a lot of very, very good players out there. And certainly, I mean, it's tricky. You compare it to football, obviously there's absolutely nowhere near the money, but then it's not nearly as big a sport. But where it gets uh, perhaps more relevant is that golfers, a golfer ranked 200 in the world makes substantially more than a tennis player ranked 200. And they're more comparable as as sports individual and and the scale Mm. of them. Um, So I do think, I, I think it's admirable. And certainly Murray in the past has said, he advocates for more prize money in futures and challenger tournaments, which are the sort of lower lower level pro tournaments, because the the level of people playing them is just is amazing, and these are people who just dedicate all their time to playing. And the the sad thing is, is that they're also there are so many great matches in those tournaments, but there's no appetite for. It. I've 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 talked to you and Tone before about it. It's it's a bit weird. It's like if it was football, it'd be like people would only pay to see like a handful of teams you know, to very, very few players. And mm. beyond that, it's like no interest. Whereas people will watch second division, third division of all sorts of nations, but they won't in an individual, individual sport sort of watch a bit a bit lower down. You're presumably right behind that idea of more prize money for the Futures and um, Challengers events. Yeah, well, uh, you play in, <laughs> in many yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, I recently played in Turkey, uh, a, a pro tournament, and uh, the guy I was sharing with, a British player called Richard Gabb. He he won a pro tournament, won the singles, got to the final of the doubles. And this again is against people, the sorts of tournaments that this guy like Sandgren would play or has certainly played a lot of in the past. So he won the singles, final of the doubles. Once he'd paid his hotel, his for the stringer, transport, all that sort of stuff, he said he left that venue with a 50 euro note. That was his prize money. And that, you know, like that's... That's quite tough. That's yeah. for winning. Like, if you lose first round in one or second round with this tournament, that's you're still a good tennis player, but it's, there's just not much money there. So, I do think if there can be more uh, popularity for the sport, if it can become bigger and get more prize money down the rankings. A bit. I guess like this is a much wider discussion, but I suppose it, it's sort of it is a a market. You know, it's a free market in a sense, and if there was appetite. Like if there was interest out there for people to watch these events, then they will. Like if there's demand that people wanted to see so much tennis that they wanted to see challenges and futures as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I understand the comparison to football, but in that case, people actually there's you know there's so much love for football that people are prepared to pay money to watch those. But that, that lower like, leagues, like you say, that becomes a very big conversation but um but i mean that like because there are sports then that there's no money in them at all because people aren't interested in watching even the top level that's strange isn't it because i mean in the case of football what's the history of like why like how why do people settle for watching basically second rate Mm. why don't they only say oh no we're only gonna like turn on for champions league or premier league Mm. like what what caused a sport like that to become that massive is it a team thing? Um, maybe football's unique in that sense because it's just so vast. Um, because I suppose probably even in rugby, I don't know what you guys know about cricket, but like lower level stuff, there's presumably not nearly as much 
World Cricket Train. Train. Paid. Little plug. Yeah. This is a good Australian Open halfway mark review, isn't it? We've we've really dived into the yeah. uh, headlines from the week. Yeah. So let's have a bit of a look at the draw, shall we? Um, we are, as I say, it's halfway through. We know four of the quarter finalists. Um, the first quarter final is going to be. Rafa Nadal against Marin Cilic. Uh, then we've got Grigor Dimitrov against Kyle Edmund, Britain's Kyle Edmund, in the second quarterfinal. Uh, and then we're waiting for four more fourth-round matches to be played. So in the fourth round still, we've got Dominic Team against the brilliantly named Tennis Sandgren. Novak Djokovic against... Hyun Chung. Fabio Fanini against Thomas Burdich. Uh, and finally, Martin Fucevic versus Roger Federer. So yeah, I'll go back to the question I asked you before. What have been the main headlines, do you think, from the first week? What's, what's sort of caught your eye? What have been the good matches, the good stories so far in this tournament? We should say, by the way, because we haven't said this yet, we are going to do a full review of the tournament at the end, aren't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. With Tony. This mm. is just a kind of... Confirming that our predictions were correct. <laughs> right, okay. So we're going to predict what's going to happen for the rest of the week and then, then we'll see if they're correct. The aforementioned tennis, Sandgren, that's possibly the sort of feel-good story of the tournament uh, in that he watched the 2016 um, US Open with uh, Vavrinka. Um, sorry, he was watching Vavrinka from a bar, like having a beer. He, he really hasn't played at this level. He's never actually won a Grand Slam match before and here he is in the second week. And who would have thought that as well um, as the only American left in the draw because it was looking bleak for the Americans early on. And one of the things I want to talk about a little is that there's a kind of, I think, kind of interesting sort of uh, Eastern shift in world tennis. And um, that's been coming for a while, I think. And in fact, when I was living in China, I actually wrote a piece for my MA about um, the rise of tennis in China and how uh, China's been historically really good at other racket sports and now because tennis is quite a expensive sport but these days it's growing and getting bigger and bigger and he's got an ma guys yeah ma uh master of chinese um do you want me to re- address you as master yeah master osia future podcast or master kenobi <laughs> um i am so, sort of your padawan i suppose yeah exactly talking about star wars again yeah actually here's a good time to bring in a good gag. Um, <laughs> Patrick's got a little notebook here where he's written down all his gags. Here's a good gag. Uh, on that note, Wozniacki, early on in the tournament, was three matches down to someone. Do you know what her name was? Yana Fett. <laughs> That's a great gag. <laughs> the little-known <laughs> illegitimate child of Boba. But- <laughs> I was going to say, until that point, that was not really a gag. That was just you saying the name of a tennis player. Come on. If your Star Wars knowledge, with your Star Wars knowledge, you should have leapt at that. I mean, I was in stitches. I've edited out five minutes of me laughing. So before you interrupted yourself mm. with that gag, uh, you were going to say something about the Asian shift that you'd been... Yes. Um, that you wrote something about for your MA. So uh, Lee Na was the, the player who really emerged and did incredibly well won the aussie open and stuff and there's been already a lot of quite a few chinese female players coming through less so on the men's side um for for various reasons but there are also um obviously uh nishikori who's another sadly he's absent from this event you had jack sock was knocked out by um sujita the japanese player you've got uh hyun chung beat alex Zverev, and in fact chung won the next gen tournament that was on um 
recently and Chung's playing Djokovic next which actually I think could be quite a good match and on both sides you've got this like you've got um in the women's as well there's um a player called Naomi Osaka so she uh beat Sloane Stevens in the US last year I think it was and she yeah she's half Japanese half Haitian like Shea Suwei is the is a, uh, another player who's she's from Taiwan and she um, who did she beat? I think she beat Radwanska and she's still in and she plays a really cool style as well. She plays double-handed both sides, um, like chops the ball a lot, mixes it up, which is quite good to see because uh, there's a bit of an accusation sometimes that in the women's game, it's like a bit, it can be a little one-dimensional. You don't maybe get as many different varieties of player. So it's quite cool to see to see both the different mix of nationalities and also uh, different mix of game styles. So do you think that the, the, the centre of gravity of the tennis world could be shifting away from Europe? It's, it's happened in that it used to be very much in America, didn't it? Or, or that, you know, most of the world's top players mm. from America, I guess maybe America and Australia, mm-hmm. and then it kind of shifted to Europe over the last yeah. 15, 20 years. Yeah. You know, virtually all the top players have been from Europe, haven't they? America hasn't really produced a, a Grand Slam challenger for a long time since Andy Roddick, I suppose. Yeah, and he was he was the only one for and quite a while as well. Do you remember, we were talking about this recently that um, since two thousand and five, there's been one non-European winner of a Grand Slam. So that's in what forty something Grand Slams. That's that was Del, Del Potro. Yeah. So the, the whole thing of like a Ryder Cup. That's that's quite amazing, isn't it? You mm. think the Ryder Cup in golf is like really sort of even? Ryder Cup in tennis be an absolute bloodbath. But do you think now it in the future, in the near to medium term, that it could shift away from Europe and towards Asia? A little bit. I have um, a short anecdote about that in that um, years... Oh boy, here we go. Well, no, it doesn't matter. So, uh, other matches... <laughs> okay, so no, uh, years ago I played, um, I played... I played a guy who was like a, mm, top sort of two or three in Britain. This is when I was about 12, 13 years old. Um... And this guy had just been across to play Russia, playing for Britain. And the Brits had beaten the Russian men. So the boy, the boys had beaten, the British boys beaten the Russian boys. And they'd also played the Russian girls and got annihilated by them. And the reason I tell you that is because, do you remember equally, you're saying about the, there was on the men's side, it was America dominated for quite a long time. On the women's, for quite a few years, every surname seemed to end in like over. Mm. And there were so many uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Eastern European female players. And I do think there's a bit of a shift now where you'll get more Chinese and Japanese and Korean names. Other big stories. So we've got... um, Well, what you were saying ages ago is that coming into the tournament, it seemed like there was a danger that it could be a bit of a damp squib, that it could be a bit of an underwhelming one because... Murray wasn't going to be there. Potentially Djokovic wasn't going to be there. Obviously, no Nishikori. You've got some players injured. kind of coming back from injury like Nadal and Vavrinka. Um, and there was a sense that after what was such a brilliant tournament a year ago with that Federer-Nadal final, that this could be a slightly disappointing one. We had quite a sort of strange end to the season, quite strange World Tour finals yeah. without Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, etc. And that this could be a bit of a disappointing tournament. But actually, so far, a week in, it's been really quite an entertaining one with a lot of great stories it's been great and also 
uh, on the contrary, um, the big three, so Murray is sadly out injured, but the other members of the big four are all doing great. And Federer, I think, is yet to drop a set. Nadal's only dropped one. Djokovic is looking very strong. And it'd be really interesting to see, like, it, it's a possible semi-final Federer-Djokovic, and that really will be interesting. Because I think even since they've last played, Federer's slightly changed his game style, even more aggressive, serving even better. When did they last play? They did play about a year ago, didn't they? During the sort of Federer resurgence. Renaissance. Uh, Renaissance. He did beat him, didn't he? But, yes. but obviously Djokovic was. It's quite hard to remember when they've last game. played, actually. At Grand Slam, it must be quite a while. Well, I remember, I think it might have been, was it 2016 that Djokovic played Federer in Aussie Open? And Federer had been playing brilliantly, and that was. That was one of the times where, and you might remember that I sort of conceded that, though I think Federer is the greatest player that's ever played, I think Djokovic reached a level which I've never really seen before in playing Federer at the Aussie Open a couple of years ago. I mean, I think he won the first sort of two sets, 6-1, 6-2 or something like that. And Federer wasn't playing that badly, but Djokovic was just hitting perfect depth, holding his service games easily. It was just, it was ridiculous. That is the last time they played. That was the last time. Slam. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, 2016 Aussie Open. And it was totally one-sided. So it really will be fascinating if but they play. Djokovic was absolutely at his peak then. He and was. Federer was not. And Djokovic and has gone through a lot since then. The situation's he, reversed now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the final last year, Federer and Nadal is one of the greatest matches ever. One of their greatest matches. And Federer raised his game in the fifth set, which was... When Nadal was a breakup, it was it was just amazing. We should have done a world tennis show for that, really. Right, shouldn't we? we should have done. Twenty seventeen, Federer and Nadal <laughs> winning two slams each is a scandal, and we couldn't be bothered to do a world. We tennis couldn't show. be bothered. <laughs> just on the beach. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. They like they um, there was a great like someone had tweeted midway through that year. It was like um, Aussie Open. Uh, like Federer wins, Miami Federer wins, Indian Wells Federer wins, like Monte Carlo Nadal wins, French Open Nadal wins. It's like, what year is it? Mm. And that's 10, like 10 years ago they were doing the same. Mm. So this is another thing is that the the next gen, well, even sort of Dimitrov, Kyrgios, Chung now, um, these players are getting better and better and they do have a tall order. They've got, they've still got, I mean, Federer's 37 this year. He's like arguably playing better than ever. Nadal's playing great. Those guys, that's like, what do you have to do? Wait for them to retire. Dimitrov is looking good. He he had a really shaky start to the tournament where he almost lost to that guy, Mackenzie McDonald. 8-6 in the fifth after losing the fourth, six love. Good win over Kyrgios. Massive win, yeah. And also that's a that's a um something where I'm I'm happy to change my tune there a little in that I'm I've not been a fan of Kyrgios in terms of personality in the past. Um, he's an extraordinary player and an unbelievable talent. But in this tournament, I think he's won a lot of fans. Um, he had an amazing win against Songa. It had three tie breaks. And it was a very similar score to the Dimitrov one, actually. And he, um, apparently Songa was his idol growing up. And Kyrgios had watched Songa when he was a kid and had like Songa had signed tennis balls for him. And so Kyrgios, and Kyrgios was really respectful about Songa. The match was played in brilliant spirits, like really good sportsmanship incredible shot making i think songa had something like 70 winners 35 unforced errors and still lost so such fine margins and at the end Kyrgios was very again very respectful and 
and came across well. And I think the Aussie crowd have really sort of warmed him. And then Dimitrov as well, he lost that one. I think it was, again, 7 like super close, very similar. Again, I think Kyrgios, when they met at the net, he said something like to Dimitrov that, oh, you've just got to believe, as in like sort of encouraging him, because they're good friends, that, that Dimitrov is good enough to challenge for these titles. So he, you've got to think that it's, it makes life easier for yourself if you've got the crowd behind you. Hmm. Like I've always, I've always found it, like I'm not, I don't know that much about football, but the thing of like, you know, that playing at home, playing away and like the aggregate score and stuff like that, I always find it a bit, it's a, it's a bit, seems crazy to me in that obviously as an individual sportsman, you know, if you're Murray and you're playing at Wimbledon, you still, the other player doesn't get like an advantage, doesn't start like a few games up, even though Murray's got everyone cheering for him. You're talking about like if the, the away goals rule. Exactly, in, yeah. In the Champions League. Uh, but it, it's also, I suppose, uh, strange on the face of it that that playing at home should be, in theory, so much easier than playing away because it's still just football, isn't it? And so it is the thing of having the crowd behind you. I, in something like cricket, and I don't know if I've mentioned that uh, I do a podcast about cricket as well. It's called The World Cricket Show. Yeah, I've never listened to it. little plug. Um, in cricket, actually, conditions are so different around the world that it is, although it's the same game, the ball behaves differently. In India, it's dusty and it turns a lot and the spinners really come into it, whereas in South Africa, Australia, it bounces a lot. It's much better sure. for fast ball. So it, the game plays out in a different way. But in football, to a very large extent, it's the same. Exactly. So it's it, just about having that crowd support and having that behind you. And that, like, that, that's, it's kind of strange in a way, I, I think, for that as, as, a, as, a, as an aspect of football. It's interesting. So what you're saying is that for someone like Kyrgios, you know, you'd think he would work out and maybe he has worked out that if he behaves better, uh, respects the crowd more, seeks the support of the crowd more, that it's actually just going to help him. Well, and not just in Australia, but also around the world. Like someone like Federer, obviously Federer is a bit of an exception, but he has massive support everywhere he goes. But also other players, if they're not jerks, they're going to get, you know, a sort of base level of support all well, around the world. Well, I know some people who are not so much Federer fans and I think somewhat unfairly because they get so irritated with Federer fans and for example when Federer plays Djokovic at the US Open there was I think the last time they played at the US Open it really was quite extreme and anything that Federer won even if Djokovic sort of double faulted the crowd would go wild for Federer and it's not Federer's fault that Mm. he's popular but the fans were so one-sided bearing in mind obviously neither of them are American that it gives them such an edge but Someone compared Kyrgios. They said that there might be a bit of a, a shift in the same way that, do you remember what, how Hewitt was regarded when he was first around? And he was young and brash and um, always doing his kind of, come on! And as time went on, and he actually, in, in, in Hewitt's case, I think he actually benefited from, I mean, got more popular when he actually stopped winning quite this as much. all the time in every sport. Like, Does it? Oh yeah, well, uh, well, I don't know in every sport, but certainly in the sports I follow. Like as soon as players stop being good again i yeah well maybe they get a bit more humble as well may have mentioned that i do a podcast about cricket but in cricket i've not listened to it (laughs) in cricket you know someone like as england fans you know you tend to sort of or at least when you're growing up you sort of despise a lot of the aussie players but like people like glenn mcgrath and ricky ponting who are these Mm. kind of like pantomime villains when they were playing Mm. when they stopped being well mcgrath never stopped being brilliant but when ponting kind of 
tailed off a bit towards the end of his career, you suddenly realise, like, oh, he's actually quite a good guy. And then as soon as the second he retires, you're like, legend. Yeah. Absolute legend. Yeah. And yeah, it was very much the same with Hewitt, wasn't it? Where he... I think so. Is it... it he, I mean... He became, as he became a sort of, like, plucky underdog, suddenly he was... Is it partly an Aussie thing? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> we are just I'm talking about Aussies at the moment. Kiwi. So, like, I've... Oh, uh, like, in rugby as well, I get annoyed with some of the personalities in the Aussie team. Um, and then in tennis, we've talked about Tomic. Atomic's still a pain. Mm. I mean, he's got worse and worse, actually. Whereas Kyrgios, my point about Kyrgios is he's he's getting the crowd more behind him and he's a lot more likeable. That's got to serve him well. There's very few players. I think people tend to mention McEnroe as being pretty much one of the only players ever who seemed to like feed off the crowd getting against him. He'd like mm. um, really use that, which is quite amazing. But, uh, you know, we mentioned a while back um, Murray early on in his career, kind of getting the British press against him. Surely, I reckon, I mean, he was sort of sat down and like, you don't really want to do this to make life easier for yourself. And since then, he's been much sort of better, uh, well, much... Much more um, open, much more accessible. Yeah, exactly. Much much friendlier. And I do think that's helped him. Um, And so he gets brilliant support now. uh, For Kyrgios as well, like, he's such an exciting player. That's where he is very different to Hewitt, because Hewitt was like very, very steady and stuff. Kyrgios is an amazing shot maker. I mean, his, his highlight reel um, is, it will be one of the best of, of any of the top players and the sort of trick shots he plays. Um, so yeah, even though he's lost to Dimitrov now, I think it's a, it's a massive step for him. And he, he has got unbelievable ability. Like his serve is one of the best in the game. He'd be a real threat for Wimbledon this year. And, and mm. He's someone now who's looking, it's more likely than not that he'll win a slam at some point for sure, I think. So yeah, it was a great match today, but Dimitrov did prevail in the end. In the quarterfinals, he's going to be playing Kyle Edmund. What a what a run from yeah. Kyle Edmund, British number two. British number two, Kyle Edmund, who I've played actually. in the. Oh God, here we go. It's going to yeah. be another anecdote here. So it was the summer of... Uh, <laughs> it was the summer, no. no. Yeah. Spr- spring. It was, well, it was Tuesday sort of, it was May. and it was Driz... No, when, Wednesday, because I'd had beans i played carl edmund on clay in england a few years ago when he'd just got a few world ranking points and i had actually just eaten a full english i got i got the timing wrong on my match jesus christ not only that i got timing wrong on my match but i actually brought the wrong shoes um on clay like this is uh, you'll be learning here because it's this is good tennis knowledge but on clay you wear different shoes um you get the wear these shoes with quite specific tread on the bottom for for gripping the surface tony's not here he tends to just go for like sandals on all, yeah. all weather all surface yeah sandals you're more a croc man <laughs> yeah yeah clay court shoes um i forgot mine and so playing carl edmund greg rosetsky was was watching um who was coaching him at the time and playing with non-clay court shoes and also quite old shoes meant i was a little bit like bambi on ice but it was it was just a good game Good game. I think I lost six two six four. That's not bad. But it was all right. But um, he's since done well. Still a defeat, but still not a bad. defeat. Yeah, he's well in the absence of Murray this week. You know, he's really uh, really stepped up, hasn't he? I mean, the, with again having the a bit more sort of press attention, a bit more support from back home, maybe all of that could help. Yeah, he is someone who I think he can, he can get like top top twenty. His his forehand's absolutely huge. And he's got one of the sort of spinniest forehands in the game. Um, and it's a great weapon. 
occasionally not wildly exciting in interviews and that sort of thing but that's fine um he lets his tennis do the talking lets his sangren do the talking so he's playing D- Dimitrov next yeah, yeah. yeah. said that a minute ago so okay yeah pay, pay attention. I, I, I switched off when you mentioned the world cricket show again <laughs> what else have you got in that little notebook of yours so Nadal Cilic coming up. Cilic has beaten Nadal actually quite one-sidedly in the past once or twice, I believe. And he's a, you know, like that time he won the US Open, he has the ability to blow people off the court. Um, Rafa, though, is wearing the sleeveless shirt again these days, so probably the favourite. <laughs> is that like his, uh, yeah, that's his secret weapon? Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think so. Yeah, and then Fed, Fed still in. So I think... A Federer Djokovic semi will be will be epic, and it could be so. Fognini's still in playing Burdich. Um, team, I see. I think Burdich will beat Fognini. So yeah, it could potentially be Burdich Federer. Do you remember that um, happened last year? Djokovic that was, team. That was the moment that people realised. Okay, Federer's had six months off, but he's not messing around. When he utterly dispatched Burdich mm. in straight sets at last year's Aussie Open. I can't see that match playing out that differently. But Burdich has caused Federer problems in the past and he has a massive game. He It was quite surprising that he beat Del Potro quite so one-sidedly. We're obviously big Juan Martin fans. Mm. Burdich is a funny one because he's always there. He's a bit like David Ferrer. But I wonder how many people on earth have Burdich as their favourite player. <laughs> like, he just, he exists. Maybe <laughs> Fact. Burdich and Burdich's mum... And that's probably it. Yeah. Which is harsh because he... You I know, heard his mum's a Federer fan, actually. <laughs> well, maybe. But he's not, you know, he's, he doesn't seem like a, an unlikable guy. No, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's, he's just, it's just hard to warm to him, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Tepid. Mm. It's one of our iTunes reviews, I think. Adam, who are you picking? Who do you think is going to come through their parts of the draw? And who's going to win the Aussie Open men's? Well, for, well there's this, this lad, Roger Federer... Um, that I've heard some good things about. I think, yeah, a, a Federer Djokovic semi final would be pretty great. I mean, you'd have to say at the moment that you'd back Federer to win that. Uh, but as a massive Federer fan, that makes me a bit nervous saying that. Big time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could, it's looking like it could very well be another Nadal Federer final, which yeah. would be, I mean, I was going to say it would be the best thing ever, but it would be the best thing since the last Top one. Top five best things ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyone would agree with that. Not just in tennis, just generally. No, yeah. Things. Yeah. Um, and the, on the women's side as well, it's obviously no Serena this year. Um, Venus went out uh, very early on. Good stat. The last time that neither Williams' sister was in the second round of a Grand Slam, Tiger Woods had not won a single major. Uh, Rafael Nadal was still in... Nadal was still in primary school and Steffi Graf was world number one. So long time that the Williams That's, sisters have been dominating the sport. That is a great stat. Um, so we've got like Kerber's, Kerber's the only slam winner still in. Um, she absolutely thrashed Sharapova the other day. She did. And uh, I think much to the delight of Serena Williams, they, they really don't get on. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Kerber's... Uh, a good prospect there. Halep is still in. She's, uh, I think, possibly slightly injured, though. And then, yeah, that the girl I talked about, Naomi Osaka, is, is quite... She's good to watch and a, gr- and a great athlete and also really likeable. Well, she's playing Halep in the fourth round. Yep. Um, and that should be a good game, actually. You mentioned Wozniacki earlier. Yes. Never won a Grand Slam before. Do you remember she- who she was three match points down against? 
Star Wars. Was it Fett? Yes. Yana Fett. <laughs> See, it all comes full circle, doesn't yeah. it? The circle is now complete. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about Yana Fett again. Yeah, so Wozniacki, that's impressive. Wozniacki, do you like Wozniacki? Yeah. Yeah, she's another yeah, Burditch. Yeah, I mean, she's she's like Burditch. She <laughs> she's, exists. She's there. She's she's all right. Uh, she she's a bit of a weird one because she's she's one of those people that gets um, thrown around in the conversation of uh, best players to not win a slam. She's a retriever. She gets a lot of balls back. Um, but this tournament, so she was five one down in the third set against uh, Boba Fett's illegitimate daughter. And won that match. And since then, she's played with a freedom that that sort of allows. So she is also a prospect, I believe, uh, in this draw. But it'd be cool to see someone completely different win it. My, I'd love to see Naomi Osaka get through and do well. Because she, 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 she gave an on-court interview that was really, really likable mm. um, after beating the local favourite, Ashley Barty. So yeah, on, on the women's side, it's, it's very kind of, open, it's isn't very it? It's very open, Adam. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh you saying my name. It's just like, it's like we barely know each other. Yeah, the, the idea that there's like someone else here yeah. that you might be talking to. It's very open, Adam. Um, yeah. And as I said, Shay Su Wei, the um, Taiwanese girl still. And she's, I love, I love seeing variety in tennis. I love the fact. Diego Schwartzman, like when he beats someone really tall, I like that because he's like five foot six. Mm. I like, um, I like, uh, I think it's Nicolescu, the female player who plays like every forehand's a slice. I like it. There's like Patrick's just listing things he likes. I, just, um, I like bananas. I like ice cream. I like <laughs> being inside on rainy days. Yeah. The feeling of the smell of freshly cut grass just edited out 45 minutes of that so now back to the tennis what what, Um, what else do you want to say yeah so i like variety in the game that's why the federer nadal rivalry is the best rivalry tennis has ever had because they are fire and ice and like we said before yeah djokovic is lukewarm water he's right there (laughs) in between them just steady yeah yeah back in the uh, dim and distant past when we last did a world tennis show i think we may well have been talking about the fact that at that time it seemed like the Djokovic-Murray rivalry was... Ne- well, Djokovic was... I think you and Tone were both sort of predicting it was just going to be Djokovic-Murray from there on in, and I was sort of against nah, that. I don't really remember it like that, but there's, unfortunately there's no way it's to... sort of exactly as it was, I think. It's and, a shame and I was there's saying, no way to go back and listen to those conversations that we had. But, yeah. like, when we were talking about that, it was very much a big one. You know, Djokovic was out on his own, but we sort of thought, I think, that the Djokovic-Murray rivalry would continue indefinitely but that was not as exciting a prospect too similar to each other although both brilliant players and could produce sort of epic matches and sort of physically epically long awesome matches and great rallies but, but they not, uh, not as exciting and, uh, <laughs> would you let me finish a sentence <laughs> not as, not as exciting true Sorry, now now you can talk. Okay, um, yes. So those matches... And also the other thing... And uh, and the other... So um, those matches, yes, they were sometimes decided by fitness. Fifth set, just who was the one who could last longer. And they were a little one-dimensional. Nadal, Federer, yeah, we've we've talked a lot about it, but it's it's the best. (laughs) It is the best. It's just the best. 
the best thing. That's every episode of this podcast, isn't it? It's yeah. just Federer is the best. And Nadal's also And Nadal's also really good. And Nadal Federer. Nadal's another the best. Is excellent. Cool. Um, so, oh, actually, we had a question from a listener. So we got a question from uh, David in um, Guernsey. Uh, <laughs> He was asking, the commentators sometimes talk about the second serve in tennis and say, like, they talk about the importance of the second serve. And David was wondering why that shot singled out um, as being so crucial. He was sort of saying, I think he'd been watching some tennis and one of the commentators had said, well, and, and as we all know, the second serve is the most important shot in tennis. And his Did they say that? question was, surely the second serve can't be the most important shot. I'd all commentators should say that the serve is the most important shot in tennis, because it is. Just the serve, full stop, the first serve, and yeah. second. The serve is the most important shot. Like, yeah, first and second together. The return's the second most important shot. What I'd say to David is that tennis is something where, like many things in life, with the 80-20 principle, where um, you know, a, small, a small part of the entirety of tennis is a lot, like there's a lot of weight on, on that aspect. It's not evenly weighted. All shots aren't created equal. So um, somewhat, su- perhaps a somewhat surprising stat to many is that in pro tennis, 70% of all points are four shots or less. That basically means that the serve and return are really, really crucial. So serve and first shot after the serve, return and first shot. What that means is that, so Djokovic um, is the best returner tennis has ever seen. Federer is actually one of the best servers uh, tennis ever seen and you might remember like murray early on in his career actually really had quite a relatively weak second serve and that was really punished by federer um and 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 others and one of the biggest improvements he's made has been to that serve and it just means that it's sort of that if you can get those fine margins and raise the number of points that you can win um when using your second serve those a very very small percentage change in tennis will genuinely be the difference between millions of pounds of prize money and titles and so this the second serve if you can put the opponent under pressure be winning more than like half of those you still want to make most of your first serves but if you have a really really reliable second serve you don't cough up a load of double faults then you put yourself in a good in a good position that's interesting that that makes sense to me as like not quite a pro tennis player like not, yeah yeah not miles just nipping off, at the heels off. of yeah. tennis sangren really you're probably the next next story next feel good story tennis bayfield <laughs> rising, <laughs> rising up the rankings um <laughs> no, I, unfortunately like, Bay. i did have all the attributes yeah uh, i have got all the attributes but the unfortunate thing is just a, a lack of ability um it's just a shame your parents christened you snooker bayfield wasn't it <laughs> 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 yeah that's the thing that's really held me back in my my attempts at a tennis career because you're hopeless at snooker as well so <laughs> they put all their eggs in that basket and look at you i've let them down i'm a very i'm a massive disappointment to my parents unfortunately <laughs> but um yeah no so in, in at my level of tennis like the i actually can hit a forehand and to a certain extent a backhand mm. and my first serve isn't bad but i'm never gonna win a tennis match against pretty much anyone because my second serve is so bad. Yeah. Like I've just never... Frying pan grip, just plop it in, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like most people who play a little bit and you'll find the, if you... if you Okay, here's the secret to beating Kerr or to beating yeah. the other people you play against. Make more first serves. Yeah. 
That's literally well, it. Well, no, it's, it's absolutely true because if I make a festival, I'm probably going to win the point. If I don't, I'm probably going to lose the point because it's just it just sits up. And unless they get overexcited and smack it over the fence, yeah, uh, they're just going to put it away. But So it, it it is true that the second serve, if you've not got a good second serve, mm. even at the level that I play mm. at, you're nowhere, really. So I can imagine that at a professional level as well. If you've got that really reliable, consistent effective second serve it still applies makes a massive difference what's amazing is that they can still you can basically sometimes predict like say federer plays Djokovic. if federer's first serve percentage is below like 60 he's gonna have a really tough time it's that simple like he if he's serving really really well accurately he's he 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 can win like if he doesn't it's it's tough um and he has a good second serve Mm. and that's actually one of the one of the areas and there's a guy who works with Djokovic now um one of Djokovic's coaching team a guy called um Craig O'Shaughnessy and he's a stats guy and he's shown that basically one of the biggest areas that Federer's improved is the number of points he's won on second serve so that that I think hopefully answers Dave's question Mm. Well, I don't really care about Dave that much, no. but but or yeah. the question, <laughs> yeah, but, but um, you know, yeah, it's interesting for me at least. But I'm, I've actually, you know, in the in the tennis games that I play, we've actually stopped bothering about serving. Full stop. We just yeah. feed it in. It's just a feed from the back of the court, and then you then you just go straight into a baseline rally mm. because we realised that you know, and it's a hard moment in any in any person's life this but we did realize that we're probably never going to be professional tennis players mm. and so i'm not actually that bothered i, I don't even play in like a league or anything I, it's literally just playing for fun yeah not actually that bothered about improving my serve at this point it's not like mm. when i was 13 and actually mm. you know trying to get better at tennis i don't care that much i just want to play and have fun and also have a workout and it's so much more of a workout if you just feed it and play mm. baseline rallies because otherwise what happens is you're just walking from one side of the court to the other. It's either a first serve goes in and you probably win the point straight away mm. or you play a second serve and they just punish it down the line and you maybe every eighth or ninth point you get four, five, six strokes. Yeah. Otherwise it's one or two. So just feeding it and doing baseline rallies, it's, well, it's just a I'll much, much better workout. To, to friends or to people I coach, like if you want to have fun and you want to, uh, because that's the thing, if you're playing for fun, just rally and have long rallies, play 100, you know, keep the ball in. If you want to improve as a player, win more matches, that's almost worthless in terms of so few rallies are that long. Mm. And if you want to improve in those, work on your serve and return. Yeah, it's 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 kind of as simple as that. And mm. it's crazy. Like, Pete Sampras won 14 Grand Slams before Federer is possibly considered the best player of all time. He basically said, he, he is on record saying, it amazes him that pros, even other pros, don't work on their serve as much as they should. He said, like, he just worked on it so much and he had the best serve in tennis. Mm. And, yeah, his results were, were pretty strong. Mm. And he actually had the best second serve as well he was famous for having like a an unusually sort of potent powerful second serve um just last thing i saw an interesting thing just the other day it was phil taylor darts taylor um, (laughs) (laughs) um, he was talking about uh other achievements tiger woods roger federer and was saying oh tennis federer tennis federer yeah and was saying so golf woods he was saying people like golf woods tennis federer um that it makes him laugh because he hears about them being some of the greatest of all time. And yet he has like way more world titles. Phil Taylor has more world titles. Phil Taylor does. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? What do you think about that? But well, this kind of comes, sort of comes back to what I was saying in that 
like when we were talking about the future challenges thing and it's it's sort of a free market like if more people cared about darts he would be considered in that bracket probably well i mean it's yeah but hold on but also more if more people cared about darts more people would play darts so he'd probably be less dominant well no that's true that's an interesting point yeah yeah no i I see what you're saying there but even if you take that side of out of the equation and just imagine a world where Mm. he still won all those world titles yeah but darts is the most popular sport on the planet then he would i mean there's people in i'm sure there's people in like bowls and um I've never heard you utter a word with more disdain. <laughs> more contempt. Bowls. <laughs> bowls. Well, like, People in bowls. Like, but you know what I mean? Like curling. Yeah. Um, Synchronised swimming. Sports that are, you know, played to a certain cricket. level, have a certain level of popularity, cricket. But squash. Squash is just, if it was more popular, it would be more popular. <laughs> like it, it's, point. It, it's just, <laughs> Yeah, it's as simple as that. Like, um, people know who footballers are because people care about football. Here's a question, though, which will probably put you in hot water with the local darts community. Oh, is darts go. a sport? <sighs> it's a good game, but so's Kaplunk. So's Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. Makes me laugh, these tennis players claiming they're the best sportsmen ever, or boxers. I've won Boggle World Championship 45 <laughs> times. Well, yeah, we came in here tonight. We're just going to do a quick 30 minutes. It's just reached a point where you're going, is darts a sport? (laughs) It annoys me, though. You can't have 40 beers on your wedding night, again, Andy Fordham, and be a professional athlete. Maybe we need Kerr. Maybe without Kerr here, it just all (laughs) unravels. Yeah. Uh, Well, maybe we should bring it to an end there. All I want to say to finish things off, well, it's a question, really. Mm. A prediction so that I can uh, rub it in your face yep. on next week's show. Who's going to win the Australian Open on the men's side and the women's side? The reason I'm not a good betting man is because I tend to go with people I like rather than the ones who are most likely. But in this instance, I would say Federer, at the start of the tournament, was probably considered the favourite. And he's my favourite player. And I think... See no reason to change your mind. I don't think there is. He hasn't been challenged that much yet, but it'll be great. It'll be great if he... That'll be his 20th slam. Um, and on the women's side, I'd really love to see someone new. I, It'll be cool to see... I'd love to see um, Osaka win that next match. Um, and it's cool that it's, that, it's, that it's opened up. I mean, when Serena plays, as we know, she when she wants to win, she wins, kind of. That sounds disrespectful to the rest of the field, but she's that good. Um, this tournament, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's good to see. You've got some sort of regulars and you've got some interesting new new starts so yeah it's a it's a it's a great tournament so far yeah. things heating up nicely it's really open and 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 that makes it exciting well we'll be back next week to find out just how wrong patrick was about all of that i notice you don't pick someone on the women's side because you just like hedging your bets yeah okay well i'll see you at the uh, <laughs> see you at the end of it well i'll see you next week and see we'll, you next week adam uh, yeah we'll be back next week and we'll have tony with us as well yeah <sighs> We'll have we'll have Yorkshire pudding Kerr with us next week. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where Tone's mum and dad went wrong. <laughs> pudding Kerr, Maltesers Kerr. <laughs> anyway, ta-ra for now.
I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if that was the exact wording. But um, you're like Liam Gallaghering the mic. You're like, and um, <laughs> in the sunshine. I'll have a vodka martini. Uh, Shaken. Uh, <laughs> Not start. <laughs> I'll have a vodka martini. Shaken. Not stirred. <laughs> that sounded slightly Wallace. <laughs> Hold tight, lad. I'll have a vodka martini. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> it's all good stuff. It's all, it's all going in. It's, uh, leave it in. Leave it in. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs>